0: I'm John Reed, you're listening to Radio Free Brooklyn, and this is Race to the Bottom. Top 10. Yes, we've got just a few more days of this year. You know what year it was. Tom, you know what year this was, right?
1: This was um, the worst, but well, it was supposed to be the best year ever, but it, it really wasn't. Um, that's when my wife made that prediction that it was going to be the best, it was going to be this profound year, and it wasn't profound. Yes. Terrible. Absolutely terrible.
0: I think... How much of that do you think... Because, yeah, people did say that. uh, And maybe it's just because we like symmetry as humans and because it was 2020, we're like in the New Year's Eve glasses, both your eyes fit into the two zeros perfectly, you know?
1: Yeah, I do. I don't know. I have... um, I don't want to... I'm so bored with bashing this year. I don't know. I just... I. But I like... (laughs) I, I when I think about it, I I still can't get past how. I, I mean, I don't even think I can really be objective about it. But this was unreal. <laughs> this is unreal. Yeah. National, international nightmare with Donald Trump at the helm. Yeah, is just it's just as bad a picture as you could draw. <laughs> I just don't think it gets any worse. Anyway, with that in mind. Let's go on. Let's well,
0: on. with that, with that in <laughs> mind, uh, you know, I thought that that I, I was like, "Oh, am I going to do a top ten this year? Uh, this This horrible year?" And I said, oh, le- "I don't think so." But let me just poke around and see what I what we've done on the show this year. And gosh damn it, Tom! Nobody <laughs> says gosh damn it. That's a weird mix of the. <laughs> it was, we we did a lot of stuff on, on the show this year and you know, I don't want to bury the lead here, so I'm just going to do it. Tom Demena, I uh, was looking through and I want to offer you uh, the first annual achievement award wow. on, on race to the bottom. I was looking through Tom. We did. Here's just a, some of the thing. I think this is f- five things that we did on the show, on the episode will i always love james taylor episode we had our james taylor talk you remember that
1: i do but i just i just want to point out that how awkward it is to be hosting and receiving an award i can i can understand what billy crystal was going through (laughs) (laughs) when when he won for what whatever it is that he probably was nominated for anyway i didn't mean to interrupt
0: well you know that's why I'm getting it out of the way right up top, and then you can just talk about other people. But we, <laughs> then we did a, a nice talk about Cat Stevens also uh, on the mixtape yeah. ep- episode. That's we right. we did a freestyle show, my first like Zoom Zoom based freestyle show with another person, and that episode was called Silk Road for for one reason, which I didn't include in the show. And also because uh, of the Kitaro, we got to talking about Kitaro's album, Silk Road. That's and, right. And you know what, Tom? I found that I have that on, on vinyl uh, LP.
1: Wow. Yeah. Isn't that nice? Yeah, that's
0: good. Maybe I'll throw that, that is... on on in the background again.
1: Okay. Yeah, I'd love to listen to a record via your radio waves, via um, podcast.
0: We had you uh, talking about uh, whaling shanties, which was great. On the sports that make you go "hmm," episode, and then, yeah. and then you did our first race to the bottom movie review with uh, your review of <laughs> Bone Tomahawk.
1: Well, it's an honor just to be almost nominated for the first <laughs> annual achievement.
0: I'm going to send you a little something in the mail for for your uh, oh for your prize, Tom.
1: Wow, thank you.
0: Yeah, so who better to co-host this, this thing with me than than the first recipient of the annual <laughs> uh, RTTB <laughs> First Annual annual Achievement Award, Tom DeMena.
1: It's an honor. It's an honor to be here.
0: Well, let's get right into it. And I, I think I was thinking, you know, last year, I kind of as an homage to... Uh, old weird Dave Letterman. I did the top 10 in order and um, I was going to do the like number 10, you know, with like mm-hmm. the harmony kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I think I'm not going to go like in a countdown. These are just the top 10 in no particular order. Does that sound mm-hmm. okay?
1: That sounds great. I, I, you know, I'm not too keen on following David Letterman's lead anyway, to, to yeah. be honest with you. I, I There's something about him that has not aged well in my, in my mind,
0: no. So, in no particular order, let's let's start this up. Music kind of got us through things this this year, right, Tom?
1: Yeah, I, I would say so. I I think it's the it's the ultimate opiate for these dark times. And healthy, it's a healthy opiate.
0: <laughs> Friend of the show, Salim called up, and we talked about music that was getting us through quarantine. This was near the beginning of the whole uh the whole mess. And this was on the episode called A Statue of Roberta Flack. Let's hear HUE Salim Hugh Penny talking about the music that's getting him through. So um word we're, we're here with my friend Salim longtime collaborator and justice fighter and all the good stuff literature reader and uh, we're talking about music that has inspired us and is getting us through this time. Uh, so, Salim, what, what do you have first? Okay.
2: So the first one I'm going to start off with is a song called You're Playing Us Too Close by Third World. Um, this song is very near and dear. My mom uh, brought us up on reggae uh, and we'll get into it
3: here. Solving babies, spreading
2: One, I wanted to kind of jump in um, and just let that first couple minutes ride out. Um, we were brought up on reggae uh, protest music, freedom music, um, music of oppression and struggle, and often celebration. And um, I love that the album cover uh, from The Best of Third World is this group of half a dozen smiling black men and yet there's such heavy music like this, right? I mean, he goes right into the jobless and hungry right off the bat, which in 2020, in the middle of a pandemic, um, is, is unfortunately ringing much too close. Uh, also having um, the, the back of this album cover, it lists each of their names. And I just remember as little kids reading their names and they have these names that are like, Carrot, I'm like his name's carrot like i love that but also realizing like to to an entire swath of society they would see half a dozen black men with dreads and immediately like he can't be a carrot he's got to be inmate number seven nine three four two you know mm-hmm. um but yet such uh, such gentle smiles and so that's something for i'm talking like age five and six like i remember this album cover so i wanted to start off with that uh because acknowledging the struggle is real right off the top but also acknowledging how fed up people are right and that some of this music is a warning that has been playing for decades i'm gonna turn this part up for a second
3: it's not till i grew to be a man then i understand what the old brother was talking about you see some people take the liberty to treat you any way they want to they feel sometimes that you don't have no dignity But brother no, no Fire their muscles for and think a cool breeze <laughs> Better watch out yes. Easy squeeze makes no riot my brethren. We are playing us much too close So why the, Don't you people out there all get up Off your backsides no, no and do something for the world Every living boy, woman, man, and girl. There's hunger people all all over. over. Starving. Have no place to lay their heads. Don't play us so close. Don't play us so close. Don't play play us so close. say,
2: So regardless of, you know, what people's religious or spiritual beliefs are, you know, Jaja Love rule in the world. I don't think you can really argue with right now and a big part of what is people are fighting for is a consciousness raising you know is pulling back these blindfolds and kind of pulling back the carpet and the trick doors underneath and falling all the way through and seeing a world that some people have experienced for hundreds of years and accepting that that is is real, that is real life, that is not paranoia, that is not a figment of anybody's imagination. These are entire structures that societies around the globe have been built built on. So uh, that's why I wanted to start off with your playing us too, too close by third world.
0: And like the idea of like playing us too close, I think that that's like maybe like a soccer uh, or football as they might call it uh, or like a sports kind of basketball like if you're like all up in somebody's uh, face like when you're on defense but it obviously pertains to what's going on now with like a police state like being all up in someone's grill as we would have said in the 90s or like (laughs) uh, why you all over here uh, (laughs) kind of thing like that pressure
2: you know,
0: yeah, that. yeah, I love it. <laughs> All right, how about that clip? That was good, that was great. <laughs> 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 um, uh, we're laughing because Tom didn't hear it. Uh, we're, we're not laughing at you, Celine. That was, uh, it was actually really great. I'm not playing Tom the clips, that's a little bit piece it. Well, <laughs> but. Peek behind the curtain here. Um, he's just here for the, his charm. All right, so uh, moving right along, I taught with this teacher Tom, and you know, it's when you're teaching to a room full of, of like thirty middle schoolers. It is there is kind of a, kind of a performative uh, aspect to it. Oh, I don't know how you do it, especially if you're a younger teacher, and this <laughs> this teacher uh, would kind of go through her motions and would say and moving right along uh (laughs) seven or eight times during a lesson and uh it was it was rough got it got rough
1: i mean you know you need your little tricks don't you to 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 um keep the um the kids focused
0: and moving right along
1: (laughs) it's like a she's like a airline uh, flight attendant
0: yeah next thing the freestyle shows this was a way for me to get out of my head and and people started to really enjoy these i did a. I said to myself what if i what if i just threw away the script because tom you know i'm always taking notes for the show and trying to accumulate songs and things to talk about and i've got my running list of notes on my phone but sometimes it's just kind of a little bit of a dry period a fallow spell and you sometimes you need to go back to the the well of just pure improv inspiration
1: yeah i think it's really cool that you you've, you've incorporated that into the uh to the routine so to speak
0: yeah kind of a palate cleanser yeah one of my favorite ones i did this summer i got up and like first thing like eight eight in the morning just got right on the mic clear clear mind relatively clear and it from the beginning it got weird and in a good way and this is a clip from potluck dinner freestyle show two i think as my bulwark against the craziness of staying in the house for four months i've just been cramming these creative projects one after the other and i've been really productive but it's a little nuts and I don't know how to like partially go out in the world it's kind of like when I was a kid or a teenager I never knew how to like fake fight or like spar or partially fight you know I think a lot of dudes would like mess around with their friends kind of fight at like one quarter strength or you know wrestle. I couldn't do that. I don't know how to just like be partially mad and I don't know how to partially go out into the world. Okay there's that. Something that was uh, another thing that was fun. See here's the thing that uh, that's hard about um, about doing it in no particular order it's It feels less like a countdown. So I'm going to count it down, even though it's not in counting down in no particular order coming in at number eight. How's that? That's better, right?
1: Coming in at number eight.
0: There we go. I did something called the anatomy of a sample. So there's this guy and he's since gotten fired, Tom. It's a sad story. But I live in a building with a door with like concierge, with a doorman.
1: I remember this story. I remember this story very well. This was a very good story, very powerful. I thought about this man. I'm sorry to hear that he's not there anymore.
0: Yeah, this guy, this guy, at first we didn't get along. Uh, when I was moving in, he he thought I was a, a creep. He thought I was an interloper, but I just didn't know where I was going.
1: I yeah, thought I can was... see, though, how you might give that thought
0: <laughs> Yeah. <laughs>
1: Saying, yeah, just saying. I don't know why, I don't know what it is about to you. I really can't put my finger on it, but I know from when we walked around my neighborhood in Portland, Maine, there was that guy that was really suspicious of you for no reason <laughs> when he was walking his dog and he was like, Good evening, very loudly, was very loudly said, Good evening to us, like we were a couple of teenagers, that was yeah, really oh,
0: yeah. I, uh, you know, I think Tom, it's because I can't really hide what's going on, like in my my demeanor. So if I uh-huh. see if I'm confused, I, it shows.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I probably in just the same way. So the two of us combined make yeah. a, make for a great great entrance. <laughs>
0: It's like it's like the the great uh, Anthony Kiedis said, I can never change in what I feel my face will never show what is no real.
1: Right. Yes, the great, <laughs> the great. Anthony Kiedis. <laughs> Or in the immortal words of our beloved poet, Anthony Kiedis, who was it that said,
0: have you heard the joke? What do you call uh, somebody who hangs out with musicians? No. Anthony Kiedis.
1: <laughs> that's good it's good that i even think like, i was able to muster like a re- yeah. reflexive laugh on that i have i have joke um, uh, um i don't know joke jokeophobia i can't yeah. actually process them no especially when like a stranger is like hey uh, hey you like mm-hmm. jokes <laughs> you know, yeah like, go into a tailspin me too
0: me <laughs> too I've never, I've never liked uh, jokes.
1: I can't se. even hear them. I can't hear them. I go to a complete... na 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 <laughs> <laughs> Someone's like, La-la-la-la. Pee Wee Herman's covering my ear holes. And just, yeah. So
0: this guy, Hector, thought I was a creep, but then we became friends, especially once I started ordering records, and he could tell that the package I was getting... Oh, this, is this a record? And he would want to know what it was, and he told me about how he was a DJ. Right. Um and he gave me this, he kept telling me about this, these guys, DJ go the pro and DJ double R, whatever. I forgot their names, but right. Uh, and I thought this, you know, you, you see some guy keeps telling you about some mixtape and some DJ and you're just like, all right, whatever. But he kept asking me so many times and I finally put this thing on and it was damn good. And, uh, wow. So, anyway, Hector, there,
1: Hector coming through with the yeah. recommendations.
0: And he got fired because he didn't wear his mask, and somebody, uh, you know, he wow. didn't have his mask on. And then he was replaced by this total dick who uh, doesn't wear his mask anyway. So what's the point?
1: Come on, man, this is killing me. This story. Yeah, it's
0: killing me. But so this goes out to Hector. I, I decided to, uh, I'm always interested in, in sampling and, and what makes up a sample. So this is called the anatomy of a sample. And I kind of look at all the different elements of songs and beats and jazz loops and, hip-hop mashups that go into this one little sec- segment of uh, the mixtape that Hector gave me. This is number eight, The Anatomy of a Sample. So in the background, you're hearing the song "Obligetto" by Brother Jack McDuff, who I'm not really familiar with. But this song, at like the three-minute mark, there's a sample, and we'll, we'll come to that soon. And it was sampled, it's one of the two samples that make up the Tribe Called Quest song, Scenario. The other sample is the drums, from Jimi Hendrix song off Axis Bold of Love called Little Miss Lover and Little Miss Lover's kind of a I like Jimi I love Jimi Hendrix but Little Miss Lover is kind of a, a bit of a throwaway song but the drum intro has been sampled like crazy so let's listen to a, a little bit more of Obligetto brother Jack McDuff. here's the sample of the the bass and and drums so that was sampled and then here's the, the drums and a little bit of Little Miss Lover Jimi Hendrix Those two together, and you have the backing track for Tribe Called Quest Breakout Hit Scenario. Here we go.
4: They say the drop can't flow But we've been
3: known to do the impossible Like Broadway Joe So sleep if you want like who We'll help you get your Z's true. But here's the real scoop I'm all that and then some Talked out can him Some bust on nut inside your eye
0: To show you where now, I'm Now Jibo the pro and DJ Ray double R Sampled that And then overlaid Rakim's lyrics from his classic I Know You Got Soul Which so many lines And I Know You Got Soul Have been interpolated into other rap songs including one of my favorite i start to think then i sink into the paper like i was ink when i'm writing i'm trapped in between the lines i escape when i finish the rhyme so the djs overlaid rakim on top of the scenario beat and you have this
3: it's been a long time i shouldn't have left you without a strong rhyme to step to think of how many weeks shows just slept through time's up I'm sorry i kept you thinking of this you keep in your mix from the microphone solo with so you sit by the radio and on the dial soon as you hear it pump up the volume dance with the speaker till you hear it blow then plug in the headphones here it go it's a word. a word when it's hurting control the body to dance yes. so dot text the tempo like a red alert Reach your reflex and let it work when this is playing
0: there we go now we're getting now we're getting good all right yeah. you got to do the numbers all right coming in at number seven tom number seven mm-hmm. what do you think about the number seven what's your favorite number one through ten
1: uh i think it might be seven Nice. Well, this, yeah. one's
0: for, this one's for you. This one is uh, uh, the breakout star of Race to the Bottom. Uh, my dad, your doctor, Dr. Dad. And I decided to do, you know, he's been a character on the show calling in for years now. He called in on the old Asheville FM iteration of Race to the Bottom. But I decided I need to do a full on Dr. Dad interview. Dr. Dad, you you're you're like the breakout star of my show. You know, people say, "Oh, when's Dr. Dad coming back on? We need we want more Dr. Dad." You know, so I think can you just give the history of your life in about a 45-second summary to to our
5: listeners? <laughs> I'll try as Born in uh, Wheaton, Illinois, to a minister father and a wonderful mother, uh, we w- we moved to uh, uh, India at age three and a half. Dad, they were missionaries, and uh, so I was there. I was uh, totally inculturated; could speak Marathi and Hindi fluently. Came back to the states for three years. Went to Hong Kong from age 11 to age 16, kind of in the British culture there, British school and back uh, to the States, college, medical school, and then residency in uh, psychiatry at the Menninger Foundation. And then I decided, oh, I want to be a child psychiatrist. So two more years of that, added that. And so that's my story. Do you feel like you were kind of a,
0: a man or a child without a country growing Sorta,
5: up? I, Yes, I went through culture shock. When I came back to the States at age nine, I I was completely flummoxed by all this stuff. I'd never seen TV sets and stuff. I looked pretty uh, pretty grim and sad in some of the pictures taken on me when I was nine.
0: And so then, like, you know, you spent most of your formative years abroad. Did, right. Did you feel, Did you talked about identity earlier, did you always feel
5: like an American? Or, or what was your relationship with, with America? Well, it was like, uh, I, I knew I came from a distant country. It was a good country, but I, I didn't, know much about, didn't know much about it and had to get acquainted with it uh, uh, twice. Once when I came back at age nine and then later when I came back uh, when I was 16. It was, it was quite a... I, and that's what helped me be a, a psychiatrist that empathizes with people that are anxious and uncertain and, and feel out of place and uh, un- insecure.
1: Okay, that's good. A deep dive on Dad.
0: <laughs> that sounds doesn't sound right <laughs> coming in at uh number six you have a good thing my, my
1: least favorite number by the way uh, oh um, yeah
0: because is it because of six six six
1: yeah maybe yeah it's that. but it's um, just weak it's a weak number
0: yeah number six was the thanksgiving prep episode, and i got uh two of my chef friends to talk about thanksgiving this is one of the most popular ones um most popular episodes of the year, but lots of downloads of this one. This is like, uh, I'm not, I'm not a Joe Rogan or anything. Um, (laughs) What do you think?
1: I'm sorry. he just, I like want to talk about Joe Rogan at length, but I don't, you know, I hate hate, your show
0: passionately hate Joe Rogan. I think he's (laughs) a, a complete, complete fool who normalizes some of the worst people in in our our culture and acts like they're just oh it's just another viewpoint i'm gonna get a neo-nazi on the show oh it's just cool we're just talking you want to smoke some weed he's
1: got talent that just gets disqualified that's what's so tricky with him is i feel like for all the strengths there's just these huge red flags that just keep you at a distance
0: i don't even know what i like as a comedian talk about jokes that don't make you laugh. I've never seen yeah. even a moment of a clip of yeah. Joe Rogan on stage that even approached anything uh, that I would liken to comedy. You know, he gets Alex Jones on there. It's just like, and that, jordan peterson dude like it's it's just a cast of characters and people are like oh well if you know if you're so confident in your point of view why can't you listen to some people you disagree with and it's like yeah it's not really me i'm worried about i'm worried about like my nephew watching this and being like you know white people have been kind of shut out you know yeah yeah I don't know how we, we got here from Thanksgiving. Oh, because I, I know, because I said it was the most downloaded, right. one of the most downloaded shows, and I said, I'm no Joe Rogan. Okay. Right. So we're back uh, on track, and here is a little clip from the majesty that was the Thanksgiving prep episode.
6: Now you've got me interested in a
2: butternut squash Hasselback mm-hmm. situation. That could be- You'll see all this pop up on my Instagram over the next next couple <laughs> weeks. <laughs> Just keep stealing. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> perfect. <laughs> Our, uh, speaking of, I I think you know what you do on the on the Insta is is always interesting. But like Chris said, Kyle, the the Asian stuff um, that you've been doing has has been pretty spectacular. Are you 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 thinking of maybe throwing in some uh, an, an Asian Thanksgiving? <laughs>
6: Uh, It's definitely on the table. I was almost positive of it. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Well, it is true. Like uh, when I like was going out of my comfort zone. Like so, like my background of cooking is more French, and my wife Andy hers is more Italian. So like when we're off together, we usually like we'll go to Chinatown or like order in Chinese or
2: something like that. And so that that was like really outside my wheelhouse a little bit. So it was like stuff that I was just really trying to get into and kind of use like the the techniques and
0: you know training that I've already had and kind of reinforce it with kind of new techniques that
2: you know come from Asian cooking and it's
0: so varied too like I feel like when people say like oh this is Asian cuisine it's just it's such a broad term and then you can really focus in like uh,
2: not even just on country but like on different regions and stuff like that and I think it's super super interesting like you could spend like you know so much time reading and <laughs> reading about these things
0: yeah the five culinary regions of, of China. Yeah. <laughs> Sam used to always talk about that. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's five did he, culinary regions. really? <laughs> <laughs> That sounds about right. <laughs> yeah. All right. Talk about majesty. Let's go straight to number five. And number five was the all time sports draft. Did you get around to listening to this one yet, Tom?
1: No, the all time sports draft. No. I'm curious though. I'll have to go back. And well, your damn, it.
0: your damn brother's on this one.
1: I know. I looked for it. I guess I don't know what happened that day. You guys just talk about the Giants, or you talk about all things
7: sports?
0: Here's let me explain what the all-time sports draft. I got I got your your brother Brian, host of Giants Among Men here on race, uh, Radio Free Brooklyn. I got my brother-in-law Mark, um, who's a big golf and uh, also all, all sports fan, who's a has a great blog called The Yardage Marker. Uh, he's a smart and funny guy, and then I got. Uh, Tom Chalmers, who you know from oh, yeah. Asheville, uh, from and his his co-host Scott Bunn uh, from the Steve Sack Syndrome uh, Indie Sports Radio Show on Asheville FM. I got the four of them, and we did like a round robin draft of the top sports moments that uh, represent uh, the majesty of sports to them, and mm-hmm. um, they each got to pick in different categories. And it was, it was a lot of fun and basically an excuse, a very abstract draft, but <laughs> basically an excuse for them to talk excitedly about sports for guys who know a lot more about sports than I do. And uh, it was a blast. Maybe the highlight that got everybody kind of talking was near the end, we did like a grab bag and your brother, Brian, nominated the the New York Knicks and the Patrick Ewing um, missed missed shot the his finger roll that I remember. You you remember it?
1: I do. Yeah.
0: And everybody was nodding their heads. It was a good moment. Everybody could commiserate on how bad the Knicks <laughs> the Knicks are and were, and especially when they get close to doing well, it's almost.
1: I mean, they weren't bad. They were great under Patrick Ewing. Yeah, they were tough they represented the city you know it's a it's a crime what the organization did and it's and it's all because when they the way they dumped ewing just just killed it it was a stake right in the heart of the team of the identity and they've never been the same since and patrick ewing deserves way more respect than he gets
0: from the all-time sports draft episode let's hear brian talk about the knicks All right, Brian, you've got the last pick for teams, and then you've also got our first pick for our kind of grab bag final round.
7: Nice. Um, I will go with for teams. So this is like uh, an an era, I'll call it. I'm going to go with the New York Knicks of the mid-90s. 1993 94 95 specifically i'll say that's when i was really into it that team kind of caught me at the perfect moment for sports fandom when you're like 13 14 15 and you're old enough to be really aware and into sports but not old enough to have anything else going on in your life so between the charles smith memorial against the bulls then the two for 18 john starks the next year and then capped it off with patrick ewing missing the finger roll Quite famously in 1995.
1: Storch cuts to the corner. The inbounds to Ewing. Out of three. Out of two.
5: Ewing. Not over there all over. The Indiana Pacers have defeated the New York Knicks 97-95 to 95 to take the series in seven and they advance hey, to the Eastern Conference, conference. Yeah, to Final to face the, yeah, to the Orlando Magic. Patrick Ewing had the shot but it went in and out. And now many questions concerning the New York Knicks.
7: That stretch, I'll never want anything as badly in my life as I wanted that team (laughs) to win a championship. And it's a hole that's never getting filled. It it never goes away. I think about it all the time. (laughs) Like if those games come on, they'll show them on like NBA TV sometimes. And I get sucked into those games like as though they're happening live and I'll be yelling like at the refs and wanting calls. And (laughs) my my wife will be like, is this, isn't that a really old game? Like, yes. It's exceptionally old. She's like, you know what happens. And somehow I in my mind I still think that I may I think this time though, maybe it'll go our way. So that team is my all-time favorite team of any sport. Even though they broke they broke me in, in very important ways.
0: Excellent. And um so now we're gonna kinda I just, just got to Just before we
7: move t- on, I gotta say that one got the most unanimous head nods mm-hmm. there was a lot of yes everyone agreed that that was pain they know, they know Well, except my side as a bulls fan i enjoyed, <laughs> oh, enjoyed those games so <laughs> I, i'm Monster. a celtics fan but was living in new york at that time so you can't help but follow the team of the city that you're in and i do remember coming back home and watching one of the nicks games and i totally threw a remote I don't think yeah. I've ever done that before, but I threw a remote and broke a remote. And my I, mom- did, I smashed a remote what? after what? the right. 95, after yes. the finger roll, and my brother looked at me like just astonished at what I had done. Um, I also actually saw Charles Smith on the street about a year ago, and I had to like really restrain myself from...
6: <laughs> you threw a remote at him.
7: <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you did this. <laughs>
0: All right coming in let's just keep keep this train a rolling right this trains bound for glory <laughs>
1: <laughs> i like uh, that yeah i mean i kind of wish i was on one of those trains to be honest with you john
0: oh how fun would it be to be on a a a nice train ride like coming down the uh you ever take a train like down the hudson from like from like albany or something into the city
1: yeah yeah i did it once for an audition and uh, i thought i mean i could do this like you know i i always get disappointed with the train quality i just wish it was more european but yeah the hudson line is pretty great
0: the hudson river line coming in at number four uh i talked about doing this forever and i had some time this summer i broke down the, this tribe called quest record beats rhymes in life that i had in my tape deck when i was just starting to drive at uh, in 1996 and i told stories and just kind of used this uh cassette that i had as a kind of launching point it was a f- uh, fun episode for me and i think it was for other people Let's listen to a clip from Beats, Rhymes, and Life. Released on June 30th, 1996. Production, the samples, the lyrics, the backstory to the record, and also my own personal relationship with the music. Let's check out the song that was sampled for Phony Rappers. This is Blind Alley by The Emotions. So I remember getting the cassette tape of Beats, Rhymes, and Life and I must have gotten it right uh, around the time when it came out. My birthday's in September and I started driving turned 16 and this cassette might as well have been just glued to my tape deck of my inherited Pontiac Grand Safari station wagon with the faux leather seats. I specifically remember this song. My memory of this song is walking around Washington, D.C. with my parents. I guess that fall, for fall break, my sister lived there. And I was just inspired by the city, and I just started rapping this kind of under my breath.
4: was
0: Tom, if you had to do a, um, an episode about a, an album that you had in your tape deck uh, as you were starting to drive...
1: Well, the only one that's coming to mind—I don't know why—is uh, that Steve Miller, Steve Miller, crazy. It's, yeah. I, it stuck with me how enduring those recordings were, and well, and, and why I just, i have a hard time reconciling that with some of the other, like, grosser things about things I've heard, where he like walked off the stage at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame or something.
0: Why not? Yeah. It's in Cleveland. What's great about that?
1: He said no one cared, and it was just a joke. And it is. And he just thought, like, why am I here? You know? And he kind of just said his bunch. I
0: guess he wasn't gracious like you're supposed to be. Yeah. But I was gracious when I got this guy, Jason Dudio Gore, who's a producer on The Best Show, who I've been a big fan of, and I got him on the show. This was my big get this year Wow,
1: that's awesome man
0: and um i talked to jason and and here's a, here's a clip of that we had a really fun funny conversation did you ever go to the boathouse in in norfolk I, th-
6: I think so
0: that was my spot and uh-huh. I've, i i my dad listens to this show and i just want to take this moment to, to <laughs> thank my dad my dad was not a rock and roll dad like like yours <laughs> but, for he was so supportive he knew that I was a huge music you know aficionado and so he would take my friend and I to like the Lemonheads or the Meat Puppets or whatever nice. and he would stand in the back for the mm-hmm. whole show like back against the wall uh, and just I don't think he enjoyed it at all <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, for two or three hours. You know, I was like uh, 13, 14, whatever, Right, going right. to an all-ages show with my with my buddy and trying to get into the mosh pit and stuff. And I don't like just the idea of doing that for your kid now. In retrospect, is just is unbelievable.
6: Oh God, yeah. I uh, I think the difference is like Dad enjoyed those shows. Like as yeah. soon as like pow- as soon as the opening notes of Powderfinger rung out he was like yeah
3: (laughs) look out mama there's a white boat coming up the river with a big red beacon and a flag and a man on the river (laughs)
6: um but i do understand like what your dad went through because i went i remember this was probably like 2007 i Went with Kristen to a show, to a Fallout Boy show mm-hmm. in uh, in uh, in Atlanta, and I didn't give I didn't give a damn about Fallout Boy. I could care less. Yeah. And she's excited. And at one point in time, I'm just like standing near the back of the arena, and I find myself just surrounded by dads, <laughs> and they welcome me in. Like you don't, you're, you know, they could tell I wasn't enjoying this. Like one guy hands me uh, a can of Bud Light, mm-hmm. just like you're, you know, you're one of us now. And uh, Kristen is, you know, probably fifty yards in front of me, just rocking out, and I'm just standing there with all these forty to fifty year old dudes drinking, you know, the uh, the Bud Light blue bottle.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. If the the like mad. aluminum aluminum yeah. bottle.
6: Yeah, yeah the, the arena bottle.
0: Yes, and, I know uh, it well.
6: and just uh, you know, I found I found my group in that point in time.
0: There's something beautiful about going to something. I don't I think this is definitely the pandemic talking, but mm-hmm. there's something beautiful about going to something with somebody who loves it and and just taking the hit and <laughs> <laughs> letting them yeah. have their time and you just kind of weighted out, uh, you know, back against the wall style.
6: Yeah, no, there's something really, really sweet about that. Um, I don't think I could do that for anything now. Um, (laughs) I just, I don't think I would, I don't don't have it. Luckily, like, if Kristen and I go to a show, it's something that we both really, really enjoy. But God, when will we ever do that again?
0: All right, uh, coming in at number two uh, this was the biggest um, most downloaded thing and, I, and I'm glad because I just I had to do this show after uh, George Floyd's uh, death and everything that was going on it was the literally the least I could do but I, I just did a Black Lives Matter episode of, of just um, you know it was like what am I gonna say uh, this this week and I was just like I, I just need to um, lift up voices of, of black people so I just made a, a big collage and I think it went well. It, it helped to get people thinking and talking and here's a little clip. This, uh, this clip is actually this is interesting Tom this is I went to school with this girl um, um, woman now Danica who's a, a dancer and a Pilates instructor and she's hilarious and super smart and um, I saw she she's great at social media she's just so funny and she put up this this thing um right around that time about um taking her kids um she's black and she, she took her kids to Monticello where uh, Thomas Jefferson's house was he had a secret like compartment for sally Hemings, this the slave that he was also had a romantic relationship with for her to like sneak in and out and um they lied about it to, you know she took her kids on a uh, she was a chaperone on this field trip and they said oh no that thomas jefferson was way ahead of his time that actually um that was a place where he would put his winter clothes in the summer and his summer clothes in the winter he was one of the first people to rotate his wardrobe and uh you know it's just so obvious that they were lying and so here's her talking about how you need to um teach your kids the truth
4: teach your kids unapologetically
0: teach your kids put them in front of that screen
3: and make them watch that lynching because that's what it was you make them watch it and you tell them how
0: wrong it is and you tell them how long it has been going on and if you think that being
4: straightforward with them will be too much for them to handle that it will scare them because and you don't want your child to have fear well
0: that is the fear that black men are being raised with from the
3: minute they are old enough to walk out of their mama's hands. Think about that.
0: All right. Thank you uh, to Danica for, for letting me. I, I reached out to her and I said, can I please? It's amazing. Can I put that on my show? And she said, yes. Yes so the last uh, coming in at number one in no particular order was a a monologue Uh, and I wanted to just put one of the monologues that I did that you know sometimes I say you know people reached out to me about so and so thing and it's just one person and I'm kind of building something up but actually quite a few people did reach out to me after this uh, little monologue I did Flaws in a Jewel just about being human and, and kind of feelings about quarantine and about uh, our president at that time. I guess still this time. Yeah, based around this Bill Callahan song. And Tom is the one who um, kind of hit me to Bill Callahan in, in general in this record and this song. So we'll go out with, uh, with that. If you're listening to this on your computer, please consider downloading the app for your Android or your iPhone. You done that, Tom? You have the app? For your phone
1: no i I don't know what it takes for me to like finally do that, but i I should i will
0: it's really easy it's, I know and it's free okay. and, you can, and you can go and sign up for the newsletter to see what's going on in the station. We only write you once a month, and uh, people can uh while you're there if, if you feel so inclined you can drop drop us some dollars and just a shout out to a friend of the show who uh, gave us a big hundo a cool hundo um this past week thank you to tim for that it's amazing so i'm gonna say goodbye to tom and i'm gonna say goodbye to you the listener i will talk to you guys next week in the new year you're Yay. listening to radio free brooklyn this is race to the bottom peace bye tom bye john and i think i might have played this song but i think it bears repeating this song seven forty seven off of His album "Shepherd" in a Sheepskin Vest. So good. Let me bring the lyrics up to this. Hold on. So I've been so distraught since RBG died and just really worried for this country and the Supreme Court, the future of democracy, whether Omelette Bar is going to leave office if Biden wins. And then I zoom out and I'm like, why do I identify... Why why are we stuck with this America thing? It's a huge country, we're so different. Why do we keep trying to do it? It's kind of a losing game. And then I zoom out even further, and I think, why do I identify with being human? I guess because I am human. But why? Humans were just dumb animals, right? What are we even trying to do? And for some reason, that's comforting, <laughs> and it reminds me of this Bill Callahan song. He said i he says, I woke up on a 747 flying through some stock footage of heaven. This is the light right here, before clouds bitter and with suggestion. This is the light, bald and bold, as baby crawling toward adulteration. He said, This was the blood when you were born, and the blood was wiped from your eyes. This must be the light you saw that just left you screaming. And this must be the light you saw before our eyes could disguise true meaning. And this must be the light you saw just as you were leaving. Meditation on Mortality. But then he says this, and this is <laughs> this is uh, kind of apropos of my meditation on humanity. He said, we walked on the moon like flies on a mule. We walked on the moon, flaws in a jewel. We are flies on a mule, and we're good at what we do.
4: And this must be the light you saw before our eyes could disguise true meaning And this must be the light you saw just as you were leaving. on the mule and we're good at what we do